0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. But for now, we hope you enjoy this message from our guest minister. Thanks for tuning in today. Proverbs 3. I want to talk to you this morning and teach a few minutes on two words. There's a reason. Because of where the Lord has brought me in my life, a lot of people consider me a success. They consider me, uh, a lot of preachers consider me a leader, father, pastor, champion, apostle, whatever. A lot of business people uh, look to me. I pastor a lot of business people. And honestly, before God, many of them have listened to me and become very rich. And not everybody's meant to be billionaires and millionaires, but you are meant to be blessed. Amen. Amen. And so uh, I get asked this question all the time. Tell us a great secret of how you went from that little teeny village in northern Michigan. How did you get here? How would you go from there? And how did you get here? And, there, you know, there's, there's more than two rungs to a ladder. So there's some other things I could tell you today. But I want to tell you the two things that I believe, looking back over my life, I've been preaching over 40 years, and, um, you know, I'm 66 years old. And so as I look back, and, and, and somehow I think we do that more as we get a little older. We start looking back at our journey and where did, our, where did the road of life take us and, did, and where did God take us. Two words I tell everybody. Here's, a great, here, here's the great two anchors to you being a successful, powerful Christian, living happy. One is called honor. Say it. Honor. Honor. The other is called submission. Most people don't really understand honor. No offense to your intelligence. Maybe you do. And a lot of people understand submission, but they're not willing to be humble enough to realize that it's the way God promotes you. Amen. Amen. And so I want to talk first for a couple minutes about honor. So here in Proverbs 3, I hope you find it, found it by now. And uh, by the way, if you didn't, you're, you're going back to children's church to learn the Bible, praise the Lord. Proverbs 3 verse 9 goes like this. Honor the Lord with thy what? Tell me out loud what? Substance, one version or whatever says, wealth. Uh, another one says possessions. Honor the Lord with your substance. Honor, 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 honor. Honor the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. When I first read this, you know, I thought, uh, am I an honorable son or am I dishonorable? Because some people, they want to land in between honor and dishonor, and kind of settle there and think it's okay. But the truth is, you're either honorable or you're not. If honor's in you, honor comes out of you. The least honor that's in you, the more we'll see you display it. But God said, also in the book of Timothy, he said, in every great house there are vessels of honor and some to dishonor. But it's not like some are predestined to be good, honorable Children of God and others are predestined not to be because when you read through the verses in Timothy, you discover something. You discover that if you purge yourself from the world, the flesh, from psychology, from philosophy, from the way you think it ought to be, from your friends, from their advice, Job, when you cleanse and purge yourself, God said, you'll become a vessel of honor. So when I read that, it tells me that in every great house, there is no good reason. There are reasons, but there's no good reason why anybody should be a vessel, a son or daughter of dishonor. Can you say amen? I don't want to be a dishonorable son to God, bring shame to him. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't deserve that. He, uh, he's never done anything to me that I should shame him, pollute his ways, disrespect him. So Mark Barclay, many years ago, not only adopted to the idea, but my heart changed to where I'm never going to disappoint this God of mine. I owe him everything. He owes me nothing. But look what he did for me. Why would I want to be sassy and rebellious and, and independent and, and unsubmitted and just do my own thing and, and and don't make him my God, make him my sugar daddy. That I live the way I want to. And, and I just turn to him when I need to be healed or blessed or prospered or I need I, I need to treat him like sick I'm God, they're bugging me. Deal with that person. Instead of deal with me, God, that person's bugging me. Why do I want to choke them instead of love them? Back to Proverbs. Honor the Lord, the Lord, with your substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Huh? So you mean to tell me when Pastor Mike stands up and says, we're going to receive the offering, uh, that this is a collection, that you are giving a tax-deductible, benevolent, charitable gift to a nonprofit charitable organization for whatever reasons, because you're supposed to, because you ought to, because you want to, or because you need it on your tax return. That's not you, right? See, when you're quiet like that, it makes me feel you're guilty. <laughs> My wife sometimes, Vicky, says, You should have been a prosecutor. You know just how to lay it out there, and then all of a sudden, bang, you got them. You got the confession. No, you we're we're not given just to support the, the corporation here and, and the church. We know where the money's spent. Look around. You know where it's going. Look what it costs to heat this place, air condition it, uh, keep the lights on. Come on, don't you have a light bill and a, and a heating bill at your house? And look how dinky that is compared to these facilities. It's not hard to see where the money's going. But is that really honest to God? The reason we're giving is because, what, is this our club? We bring our dues? No, it's not. And I don't believe that is your take. I'm challenging you with it as if you're all just dirty dogs. But I know you're not. I know you're good Christians. So when I learned verses like this, I thought, oh, wait a minute now. I'm going to honor the Lord not only with my substance, but with the first fruits of all my increase. That's pretty much what we call the tithe. And I'm not going to do it grudgingly, and I'm not going to do it, you know, out of necessity. I'm not going to do it because I'm supposed to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard at being an honorable son to my God. I was blessed to have fathers in the faith. Not everybody is. When I say you're blessed to have a pastor like this, I'm not just, we're not, we're, I'm not just talking. Maybe you don't know how many churches don't have a good shepherd. I was blessed to have fathers in the faith. And they meant so much to me that I told the Lord I don't ever want them ashamed of me. I don't serve man. I serve God. I'm clear on that. But these fathers in the faith, they never had to give me the time of day. They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to help me, correct me. You know, correct me and correct me. I needed a lot of that. They didn't They didn't have to do that. They could have... Spent their time with somebody else, but instead, for some reason, they spent their time with Mark Barclay. And so I wanted to be an honorable son to them. So I worked at it. I prayed about it. I constantly asked God, I want my fathers to be proud of me, not to please man but to be an honorable son. They're my, You know, John Osteen, he's the tongue-talking devil casting out Osteen that's in heaven now. He was my pastor for 27 years, though I've never been a member of Lakewood Church. I was in the ministry when I met Pastor John, and he adopted me. He didn't have to do that, and he helped me extremely. This man, John Osteen, built a 20-some-thousand-member church in a suit and tie speaking in tongues, casting out demons, and healing the sick, and teaching the uncompromised Word of God. Amen. And um, when he went to heaven, he handed that off to his family. There was almost 22,000 active members in that church. They cheated nothing. Now, for a man like that who loved God, walked with God, to want to take a guy in like me, when I was a baby preacher and helped me Which he did And he stayed with me all the days until he left And I made a commitment to my pastor uh, Pastor, I will live my life in a way That never brings shame to your name It'll never bring a mar to your ministry And I will always take care of you And if you ever die before Miss Doty That's his wife Vicky, and I will take care of her Until she takes her last breath Don't ever be concerned about it I'll hawk my house and buy her one. I owe you, my father in the faith, my Elijah, everything. And I kept my word. I had other fathers in the faith. I only had one pastor. Don't get confused. In my case, Kenneth Copeland's my preaching friend, and, and Kenneth said to me, you know, uh, you better turn out right. You had Lester Summerall as a dad, John Osteen as a dad, Kenneth Hagen as a dad. You know, I'm going to. Uh, you better. You better not ever blow it. You know, Mark. Uh, it, I mean, God really has invested in you. And I remember what I told him. I said, "I'm not sure about that investment thing, Brother Copeland. I think God knew I needed that much help and correction that I might have worn out one dad, one pastor." But I told all five, I ended up with five. I told all five of my fathers in the faith the same thing I told Pastor, other than I never made him my pastor. Brother Summerall and I were like this. I loved that man. He helped me. He was like an old general. And the faint hearted, if you're faint hearted, you need to get out of that because you're going to miss so much. You're always going to be offended. You're always going to be touchy. You're always going to be baby. let me say it more blunt. It's Sunday morning and we're almost done. So you're always going to be a thumb sucker. You're always going to be pouting around, sucking your thumb that the pastor or someone in le- leadership offended you or looked at you wrong or, oh my God, imagine being corrected. And so I told all fa- five fathers in my faith, uh, you can't offend me. That's impossible. And just, I, I told them to their face, just, you gotta tell me the truth. I'm not a little kid, I'm an adult. I wanna be corrected. I don't want, don't look at me and say, Mark, when's he ever gonna learn? Or worse yet, like Jesus did, how long must I be with you? He said, I don't want that for my life. Do you want that for your life? No! I, and so I, I walked them all to the grave. All my fathers are in heaven. That's a weird feeling, actually. But, you know, they have a right to, you know, grow up, grow old, and and go be with God. That's the Bible right, and that's what my fathers did. And I kept my word with all five of them. Uh, If they went before their brides, then I walked their brides themselves to their own gate to heaven. I took care of them. I... um, I never forgot any of my fathers in the faith, especially my pastor. Now, Miss Doty's still alive and she could vouch for this. Never one time did that pastor's birthday go by and I didn't celebrate it by sending something to him. Because talk is really cheap and so is a little card at Walmart. But the level of your giving obviously has everything to do with the level of your honor. It was God who put honor, giving, and tithing in one package, right? Did you know Malachi 1 says, if I'm your father, Jesus said, "Uh, if I'm your father, where's my honor? Malachi 1, the prophet of God is speaking for God. He said, hey, y'all, God is speaking. Hey, y'all call me father. Where's my honor? Because they weren't honorable. They didn't clean up. They didn't dress up. They didn't stand up. They brought blemished offerings. They didn't bring their best. And it was like, oh, God is big, and we love you, God. But the prophet said, uh, well, that, if you love me so much, where's the honor that you should be giving me as my sons and daughters? It's not a performance. It, it's a hard attitude that causes a performance, I'd like a better amen, please. Amen. And so uh, I never forgot a birthday. I never forgot an anniversary. I, I, I'm a big giver. Our ministry's a big giver. I spent over a quarter of a million dollars last year just putting fuel in the aircraft to get to pastors that can't afford to have a global ministry and, uh, because they charge so much money. And I tell my team, uh, you know, I'll ask pastors to help me, but we're going whether they got money or not. We're other, because if it's the other way, am I not a hireling? I can't do that. See, I believe in that little village out here, population 800, a pastor's there. He pastors 45 to 60 people. Half of them are relatives. That's a trip, you know. And... Uh, See, I'm of the opinion that those people deserve to have just as good of a pastor as anybody who lives in a metroplex. So I honored my fathers, and I believe with all my heart that when I change through Christ and through teaching, but when I change my heart to say I'm going to honor my God with my lifestyle. I'm going to honor my God with my mouth, my, my conversation. I'm going to honor my God with how I live. So I started to say, the demons, you know, they shouldn't like you. I, I, can't, I was driving down the road the other day um, in my GMC pickup truck <laughs> that I just traded for a new Dodge Ram. <laughs> So there. <laughs> and I, this thought, I don't know why I think this way. I'm just driving them by myself. And I had this thought, there ain't a thing in this vehicle. There's not a demon on this planet that will ride in this truck with me. They don't want nothing to do with me. How about you? There ain't a demon that likes one thing on my radio. There's not a thing ever on the radio in my vehicle that any demon would like. In fact, I think I sandpaper them with what's on. And if I'm not on the radio, I'm on the cell phone. And I don't gossip, and I don't bear, and I'm not a slanderer. Some of you should puke that out forever. Just vomit it out. It's the world. And be sweet. And, ha- and be a sweet well, not a bitter well. But I'm not a bitter well. I got through those times. And I got thinking, even if I don't have the radio on and I got my cell phone on, there ain't a thing I say to anybody that any demon would want to ride in my passenger's. There's not a demon on the earth saying I got shotgun when when Mark Barkley starts up his car. Then if I'm not talking to somebody about the gospel I'm speaking in tongues. He shakata. Let me tell you something. There is no demon, including Big D himself, that likes it when you speak in tongues. It is an insult to the little imps because they don't understand a word you're saying. Not a word of it. Ha <laughs> ha! Woo! Praise God. Amen. And I like everything that bugs the devil. I'm a guerrilla warfare devil harasser. I'm going to spend my whole life honoring God, honoring my leadership, and tormenting the devil. I'm going to do anything that bugs the devil. You know, you know you're know, you in church today. You know who didn't want you here? The devil. Oh, listen. There'll be no resistance to go to the big ball game but all kinds of stuff starts happening when you say, get ready, we're going to church. Even more reason why I plow through. What are you doing here this morning? Bugging the devil. (laughs) Harassing demons. Those idiots are at home in my front yard thinking I'm still there. I haven't been a church skipper in, in 42 years, and they're so ignorant, they're still there thinking, well, maybe he didn't go today. It will harass his life. No, it bugs him, so I'm going to do it. Right? The Bible says in the New Testament that we're to show honor where honor's due. A lot of people today want to be honored, but it's not due them. They want to be congratulated, but you fumbled. You didn't run the football. You fumbled it. We love you, but we're not going to give you that little pat on the bottom and a little knock on the helmet. You fumbled. You cost us the game. Why would we honor you? And the same is true in Christian life. We love you, whether you do good or not good. Are you kidding me? Pastors are the most loving people on the planet. Yeah, come on. Some of you don't do a thing we say, and we still come and preach to you every every time the doors open. All right, I'm not going to look around now. Some of you are the stingiest God thieves in all of Sioux Falls. You don't tithe, you don't give, and yet we don't run you off. Don't tell us there's no love here. We don't even send you a bill. Now do that at the grocery store, and you'll get prosecuted. Not persecuted, prosecuted. See, there's purse, there's pros. See, you come in here. You can cheat, give nothing, you get the same message, the same worship, the same treatment, the same love. And then somebody's dumb enough to say the preacher's in it for the money. You can't even get a bag of popcorn at the movie show and steal it and not get the cops called on you. You can't. In fact, some of you need to quit picking your nose at the grocery store because they got cameras everywhere. (laughs) You're being recorded. You know who else is being recorded? That guy's employees. Every clerk station in most of the bigger stores have a camera right on that station. Their own employees. And yet I've never seen anybody stand outside of a whatever, Walmart or something and, 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 and just say, you know, well, he's in it for the money. Well, look at that. I, 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 look at that. I am just gonna fill my cart and push it right past the clerk. My kids are hungry. And I know the grocer's not in it for the money. Oh, really? And, and, no, I never heard any of that junk until I started running around with God's people. So I'm challenging you today. You might be the most honorable person in here. But I'm challenging you today to be that. Honor your mother and your father. I walked my, my dad died when I was a kid. We walked mama's parents to the grave. I walked my mama to the grave. We got them all born again. My mom died at 90. Now, I could not submit my global ministry and my call to my mom. She was not a father or mother in the faith. I was her pastor. That was a trip. Pastor and your own mother, wow. And I'd say something to you, and my mom would say, now, is this my son Mark talking to me or my pastor Mark? And I'd say, what's the difference? It's me. And she'd say, plenty. <laughs> you know moms. I've been all over the world. Seriously, I'm a, I'm a multi-million mile flyer. And so my mom knows this. So I say, mom, I'm flying out to California to preach. Well, honey... You call me when the plane lands so I know you're okay. Mom, I've been all over the world. I'm a world traveler. Uh, it, it's just a flight to California. You, I am your mother and you will call me. <laughs> so, sure enough, the plane lands and before they ever turn the jet motors off, I call my mom and said, I've landed safely. <laughs> Everybody say, thank God for moms. But I could honor my mom. I just couldn't submit to her. There's a difference. You know, the system of life that we learned from Christ and how he set up the kingdom, we all live in compliance first. You grow up in compliance. You do this or else. But you're supposed to grow up into a, an area called submission. But submission's not you did it. That's compliance. Compliance is do it or else. But it was intended even in the natural for you to grow up and become a submitted son or daughter. What's that mean? I don't need to threaten you, daughter, son, that if you do the following things, there's a repercussion. Your heart now says, Dad, I'm old enough. I want to do this. Now teach me how to do it right. And you don't have to tell me I'm grounded or eh, I got it. It's in my heart to do it, and I'm going to do it. And that's how they live. But that's not the end of the line. We're supposed to go from submission to honor. where our life is honorable, our mouth is honorable, our heart is honorable, our dress is honorable, the way we live is honorable. And, And then submission just kind of becomes one of the stepping stones to this great life. Did you know you will never, ever the rest of your life live without having to submit to higher authority? It was meant that way. Why is it that it has such a negative connotation, submission, leadership? Because it does. I mean, if, someone, if, if a child is bad at school, it's got to be the teacher or the principal's fault. Well, sometimes it is, but usually it's not. You get, you get caught speeding out here, and all of a sudden, the cop's a bad guy. Don't you have a real criminal to catch? Like, did nobody shoot anything or murder anything or what? You got to stop a speeder like me? I was only doing 25 over the limit. See? In church, I've noticed this. Many people in church think, well, it's the pastor's fault. Why? Because he's the highest authority. Somehow the highest authority takes the arrow. But it's not. It's not. I learned a long time ago, I don't let people who... I don't have a mass exodus. Our church just kind of keeps growing. I've, I've been there 38 years and no church split. And I don't think we're going to have one. I, I I just don't see it in the future. And um, And so when people... You know, every church has people come and go and people leave... And they say, well, that church has no love. I go after him. I say, you're not going to put your sin on me. I'm here. You left. I'm sweet. You're bitter. I'm happy. You're sad. I'm serving God. You're not. I'm tithing. You're not. What, are you giving it to your friend? See? And so I don't let them. The Bible says, do not partake in another man's sin. All right, go sin. I can't stop you. But don't put it on me. Don't tell me I didn't love you. Don't tell me I didn't try. Don't tell the church here that it's their fault that you decided to divorce us. I'm preaching really good this morning. Amen. I uh, yeah. I think I want like four bodyguards when I'm, when I'm done. And aim the car to the airport, praise God. No, I'm not picking on you. I'm challenging you to upgrade yourself. Upgrade yourself and be an honorable son or daughter of God. Years ago, when I first started pastoring in Michigan back in 1980, you know, our, we didn't have money, so we barely had a building. And the, and the parking lot wasn't, you know, paved. And so, you know, even when you got out of your car, you know, by the time you and I walked in the building, once in a while, you'd have a little mud on your shoe or a little dust. Or, and normally I can take care of myself. And I, I'm standing there in our little gathering praying before church, and this man named Roger, who's still with me 38 years later, Roger came up, took out his hanky, knelt down, and, and, and started to get some mud off my shoe. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. stand up here. What are you doing? You got something on your shoe. Well, just tell me next time, and I'll take care of it. Don't bow down there and do my shoe. And he stood up and got right here, and tears were coming down his face. He said, well, I'll tell you this, Reverend, it's not fair. I said, Roger, what's not fair? It's not fair that you get to do your ministry, and I don't get to do mine. Do I interrupt your preaching? I said no. Then don't interrupt me when I'm doing my ministry. I don't get to preach, Pastor. My duties take care of you and Mrs. Barclay. That's what I do here. That's what I come to do. So it was like, here, take my shoes, man, shine them. Wow. I mean, wow, talk about being preached to the preacher. I said, Roger. Uh, You're absolutely right, but listen, man. um, We serve God, not man. Don't serve me. He goes, I'm not serving you. Who gave you that idea? Say, I'm in trouble now with Roger no matter what. He said, I'm not serving you, Pastor. It's not because you're Mark Barclay. It's because it's my duty in Christ. It's my ministry to take care of my man and woman of God. And then he said this statement, which I've been chasing forever. He said... Is this not the honorable thing to do for me to take care of my pastor? I said, Yes, it is. And uh, I repent. But, But let's learn how to do it right. Let's you and I sit down, we'll get some other brother. Let's do this right. Okay? And you know, out of let's do this right, Roger, his spirit spread in our church. It really did. I think it's why our army is so big, and I think it's why it's so strong, and we have such a powerful serving spirit. Uh, some of you won't misunderstand. Some of you will misunderstand this or not understand this because you don't have honor in your heart, and therefore you can't. There's a link missing in the chain. Forgive me for that, but it's your deal. When I drive up to the facility, whether it's office hours or whether it's church, or Mrs. Barclay does. Without my assignment, someone always meets me at the door. They always meet Vicky at any door. They take us in. They carry stuff in. Sometimes I feel weird about that. I can carry my own stuff. But I remember Roger saying, what else do I have to do, Pastor? You can't rob me of everything because you're independent. You got to let me serve and take care of you. Okay, I carry it. You know. Some guy wanted to drive me to go preach. I said, I drive. I can drive myself. I like my pickup truck. He goes, it wasn't Roger. It was a Roger understudy. He said, well, fine. Okay, Reverend, you drive, but I get to preach when we get there. I said, here's the keys, drive. Really, it was kind of weird for me. But when I saw what it did to people, and when I caught that spirit, it's part of what made me want to take care of my fathers in the faith. When I pull up now, some of you will misunderstand it, sorry, but most of you won't because you're honorable people. When I pull up, or Vicki does, by the time we leave that building, uh, the brothers have taken our vehicle, they fueled it, they washed it, and usually at their own expense. Now, I give them a card to say, you use this card all you want to, I just really appreciate you helping me. See, some people think that all we pastors do is get up in the morning, drink our coffee, eat our bagel, and and run around in our jammies and look out the window and count the deer. And then we show up here once a week to bless you. You don't understand. Every little teeny thing you can do to relieve your pastor makes him that better her that better of a shepherd to you, more time on their hands. But what it does for you is what counts. You, are you listening to me? So my um, My very first pastor, I was still in the Marines. It was He's the one that made a disciple out of me. And uh, I would drive. He was an early morning prayer guy some people pray in the middle of the night and some before they go to bed and some early in the morning. And he happened to be one of those early morning guys. And of course, I'm training Marines, so I'm definitely an early morning guy. And so I drive, uh, I, I, I had a very high security clearance so I could go in the back gate of the base where I worked, where the nuclear stuff was. So, But to do that, I could drive right past the ministry. And I, every single morning, I would bring Pastor a coffee and a donut. And I take his vehicle and wash it through the car wash and fuel it. Now, Marines don't get paid a lot of money in those days. And, uh, and uh, I just do it to sow and to love on him. And he kept saying, Mark, listen, uh, you don't have to come here every day. You know? And then one day he said, Mark, do you, don't you know I get paid? I get a paycheck. You know, your church takes care of me. You do too. I said, Pastor, this has nothing to do with you or your paycheck. This has to do with me. I want to do this. I need to do this. You're my man of God. One time I drove by, and he was out sweeping the steps of the church. Now, he's not too good for that. That's my alarm. If uh, if you want to stop a Marine, you have to play taps. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up, and then I want to pray over you. So, I, man, I stopped, ran in, took the broom away from him, and said, Pastor, what on earth are you doing? He said, I'm sweeping the steps here. I said, no offense, sir, I'm not your boss. I understand protocol, you know, and, and authority. I'm not telling you what to do but give me that broom. He goes, Mark, it's okay. I'm just sweeping the steps. Pastor, I'm desperate. My family's desperate. I'm behind everybody else. I need to be a better Christian. I don't need you to teach Sunday morning four ways to use the broom and sweep the steps. You go to prayer, I'll go to sweeping. It's the least I can do to, to to keep you in prayer and in the Word of God, and don't worry about it. And so from now on, I'll bring you a coffee, a donut, fuel your car, gas it, and sweep the steps if you give me your word that you'll stay in prayer and read your Bible. Give me the broom. I know some people don't understand what I'm saying, but but I would challenge you that maybe it's because of the lack of honor in your heart and you don't understand how much God loves you to give you a pastor. To feed you, to equip you, to grow you up. That's how much God loved you. Remember that day the whole multitude was there. You know, in a multitude, there's sick people, dying people, people who lost, lost loved ones, urgent people, demon possessed people, etc. Jesus came out and he saw this massive, massive multitude. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion because he realized they were sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them. He began to pastor them. Now, now, don't you think in a massive crowd he would have first went to casting out demons or healing the sick? First. No, he did do those things, but first. No, the first thing the Bible says is when he saw the condition of that multitude, he said, they don't have a pastor. I better, I better stop right here and start pastoring them. That's how much he loves you. this submission thing is all-powerful. The more independent you and I are, the more rebellious, the more we want to do it our way, see it our way, the more you're going to live in frustration. And and, and some people actually crash and burn. Um, we don't want you to crash and burn. Neither does God. We want you to Be powerful soldiers of the cross and live the high life. These are like secrets that aren't supposed to be secrets of how to live the higher life that Jesus Christ came. Lift your hands to him for a minute right now. Just do it. And say, Lord, I want to live in that higher level of life. Tell him, I want to live the high life. I do, Lord. The Bible says to obey them. Obey. Obey. I'm not cussing. Stay with me. Some people think that's a cultish cuss word. But the Bible says, obey and submit yourselves to those that have the rule over you. The Bible says, show honor where honor is due. The Bible says, the elders who have served well, especially those who labor in the word. That'd be the bangs in your case are worthy of double honor. The word honor there in the Greek language tends to the show of honor, which means contribution, distribution. So honor is in your heart, man. It's in your mouth. You speak honorably. I don't understand this part of the kingdom. Uh, Some of the sloppy millennial type people, not all millennials are sloppy. I didn't want to sound like Donald Trump just then. But, uh, you know... Uh, what I meant by that is every time you say a statement, if you don't give a four, if, if Mr. Trump, for example, doesn't give a four-paragraph explanation, everybody takes four words and says he's, he's a dirty dog. And so I don't pick on all millennials, just most of them. Well, we love you, but we're not going to submit to you. We're not going to cater to you no more than any other believer, no matter your age or your dress or your ideas. We don't come to you and say, how would you like the church to be? You come here and find out how the church is to be. It's pretty simple. I'm not being mean about it. I'm just saying. So we submit and obey those that have the rule over us. And... um and that's not so easy to do if you're always right in your own mind. Yeah. But one of the great secrets of my life is I did what I was told. My father said, Mark, don't preach that like that. One time John Osteen called me and got, hey, Mark, pastor. That's how he always said, Mark, pastor. Yeah. Yes, sir. And uh, I always said, Sir. If Miss Doty called me right now, I'd say, yes, ma'am, how are you today? I don't know where please and thank you went. I'm trying to find a verse that says, because it's 2018, we can be crude and rude and never say ma'am and sir and thank you and please. I can't, I'm trying to come up with why we can't be courteous and tenderhearted, even to each other. It's not always up. It's just to each other. I, uh, I sure wish I would have preached something happier so you'd do better than an offering for me you'd think after all these years I'd learn you had to bring forth for- thank you ma'am isn't it powerful how Miss Vicky always has the right thing to say to politely rebuke you and make you feel like you were encouraged. <laughs> and we love you for it, by the way. Praise the Lord. I know what you said, thank you. It's okay. We gotta quit. Didn't my alarm go off? Well, I can go on, but don't lie about it. It did go off. <laughs> so, you know, I fly with these jet pilots. They're they're My two pilots are very severe Christian people, and I appreciate that. But they're also very, very severe aviators. They're some of the best in the industry, so I'm told. Uh, And so, when we fly that jet, they are giving, they're given from the ground traffic controllers, they are receiving orders constantly, constantly. Fly to this altitude. Turn left at this degree, lower to this altitude, speed up, slow down. It never sounds like, hey, captain, pretty, pretty pleased with the cherry on top? Could you turn to the left a little bit, please? It's a command almost. And in all these years I've flown with them, and their course has been corrected and adjusted, I've never once heard them say, shut up down there, who do you think you are? We got a spirit of control. <laughs> You're nothing but judgmental. By the way, have you ever floated an airplane buckaroo? We know what we're doing up here. Leave us alone, bless God. You got a judgmental attitude. Never. They just repeat it and say yes. Sir. I, when I come out of the Marines, I was a Marine, or out of war zone. I was an instructor. And... and uh Uh, I trained uh, the shooter school out at Camp Pendleton. Marine shooters and forward scouts, um, you know, they're some of the most powerful, well-trained lethal force that, that, you know, in the world, even today. And so some of them would come to me and say this. Uh, They'd say, uh, hey, hey Gunny, listen, I know I'm better than this. I'm shooting a good, uh, you know, with the rifle, you know my, let's say the bullseye is this big, but they're seven, eight hundred thousand meters from it. Everybody just say that's a long ways. And so when they shoot, bang, they're in the bullseye because these are the best of the best. They're in the bullseye, but that, but in a combat situation, you're not shooting a paper target. And they said, I know I can shoot better than this. Help me. So they would, they would, I'd say, well, get down in the prone position then shoot a few rounds. Prone position means lay down for civilians. And rounds mean bullets. Uh, so, and if you don't know what shoot is, it's not a replacement for a cuss word. It's just, you know, it means bang. And so they laid down, and, and I would stare at them. I mean, I'd look. Here they are. I'd look right at them. And I'd step over them, look here. Sometimes I just straddle it and, and excuse my rump. they just straddle it. <laughs> Wouldn't you think after 40 years I would have never done that as a professional preacher? Anyways, the rifle would go through here because I wanted to see what they were doing because real shooting is, a, is, a, is an actual science. And, uh, you know, shooting a deer or something at 200 yards, you, you got to be a good shot, especially on the run. But shooting something where his head's only that big around at a mile is a science now. And every single time, uh, I would tell him, listen, i kick him once, listen, this is what you're doing wrong. Fix this, think about it, and fire three more rounds, and just give me a half hour with him. And that bullseye that had bull is now in a tight circle like this. Never one time, never once did one of them get up and say, All you did was criticize me. You never told me how good I did. I hit the bullseye every time. Isn't that good enough? Not once. Do you know why? They come to be corrected, they come to be adjusted. Let me tell you the biggest reason why. You cannot watch yourself shoot. You cannot watch yourself go through the scientific steps of shooting something smaller than a pumpkin at a mile. You cannot watch yourself. You'll, never, you'll know you're better than that. You'll know you, that you should be better than that. But until you come see a guy like me, you will never be better than that. You'll just always know you should be. You'll always know you could be, but you never will be. Get this straight. Not one time were they ever offended with me that I scrutinized them, that I judged them, and I told them what they were doing wrong because they had a heart to do it right and to do it better. I never heard any of this kind of talk about being judgmental and having a spirit of criticism and 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 too much authority and, and it's nothing but a cult. I never heard any of that till I joined you. That nobody has that. That's body of Christ language. But then I look, when I say you, I don't mean you personally, I hope you're not like that. Then I looked and I can't find any of those phrases in the Bible. I can find the opposite of rebellion, submit. You, you can't, you, you can't test your submit, submission in agreement. You don't test submission in agreement. You test your level of submission when you disagree. Amen. You're the one that said, kept preaching. I was done 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Keep it up and me and my alarm's going home, bless God, and you're on your own. It's not a weird thing to, Want to live right and be pure and, and be holy. And wow, when I come in the kingdom, Pastor Mike, I beg people to get me free. I did everything that church told me to get out of substance abuse and, and, and anger and rage. And I wanted it gone. I hated myself for it. So I'm a little beside myself now at this time of my life and the new modern church that fight me to keep their sin. They're mad at me because I said you should be free. You're judging me. I don't get it. I hope you're not that way, but I don't get it. Why? When there's healing and there's power and there's deliverance. Seriously? And you're going to fight us. I can drink a beer if I want to. I don't have a problem with your beer, Sister Budweiser. I have a problem with your want to. Maybe you need to define to us why you want to. Why do you want to keep that sin? That's a, that will drive you to be a dishonorable life. It will drive you to rebellion. Amen. So I challenge you to honor your parents. And then I challenge you to uh, all the way to their grave. You can't submit maybe, but you can honor. You can be honorable. You don't to be disrespectful. They may not even serve God, but that doesn't mean you walk in hate and strife. Honorable sons of God are forgivers and lovers. Honor your spiritual parents. In your case, that's Pastor Mike and Vicki Bang. Don't make a mistake about it. Honor them. Make it easy for them. They're giving their life for you. And besides that, it's the right thing for you to do if you want to live a powerful, strong life. Teach your children to honor your spiritual parents. Amen. Make sure they're double taken care of. And for you skeptics, Pastor Mike and Vicky, number one, had no idea what I was going to say today. Number two, they never tell me anytime here when I come here what to say. Uh, they're not of that low caliber, and neither am I. Uh, we say what God had to say, and for some reason it was God who wanted me to talk about honor and submission in our life. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and I honestly am going to quit because I'm hungry. <laughs> Anybody hungry besides me? Everyone else come up here and we'll cast that demon of lie out of you. Um, Pastor Mike and Vicky were sent here by Jesus Christ to make sure you turn out to be the best Christian you can be. And most of you, no offense now, have no idea the price they paid or their own children being raised in church. PKs have a They pay a dear price because for some reason, I don't know why, some reason a lot of church people think that because the pastor's kids are the pastor's kids that they're also responsible to be pastor-like. One time, my Josh was about this tall, and one of the deacons and their wife brought him to me and said, we just want you to know your son's misbehaving. And I said, Josh, I'll talk to you in the back. But I told the deacon, I said, it's funny he didn't have that problem until he started running with the deacon's kids. And he didn't. We pay a price to take care of you. It's not like what you think. Every demon in hell wants to stop the bangs. Every demon in hell wants to split this church up, wants to split up the leadership team here, split up the bang family. They can't stomach, the devil can't stomach the fact that you're a great church and you're doing the work of God. Can't stomach it. And he'll never give up on you. If, if you have anything about you that's not submitted, I mean in here, and you don't show it outwardly, anything that the devil can sink, sink a hook in it and reel you? You will end up being the next Judas. Every church, everywhere, every church, everywhere has a Judas that has just been labeled or one that's in the making. I hope it's not you. I hope and pray over you now that you will not be the next believer in this church that Satan uses to mess with the heavenly vision, hurt the church family, attack the bangs, and drive people from the house of God. But one of you will be because Satan will never give up until he finds the one he can use to betray the shepherd. And uh, it's usually for personal reasons or personal gain. And being you're so intentively listening. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm getting to you or you're mesmerizing my good looks. I think we all know we can chalk that one off the list. Um, Judas Iscariot, that demon is still on the earth. That demon is still on the earth. And he wants to treat you the same way. You know, Judas, when Jesus pointed him out at the Last Supper, think about that. The Lord let him stay as long as he could. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, one of you here will betray me. They didn't all look at Jesus like a fool and say, you don't know it's him? You don't know it's Oh, no, they didn't know who it was. Judas got so good at living a dual lifestyle, double agency. You know, when you do that, you got to have two sets of clothes, not quite so much anymore in church life, because some of you don't honor God anymore with your dress, but some of you do. But back back in that day, it was easy to see who the other crowd and the Jesus crowd will say. And so you end up with two sets of dress, two vocabularies, You can't say those words in here. And if you go running around with sinners and say, praise God, thank you, Jesus, and amen, like they told Peter, your speech will betray you. And he sold Jesus Christ, but betrayed him with a kiss. And when Jesus said, it's him, they were shocked. Because when he said, one will betray me, you know what they said? Tell me it's not me, Jesus. Oh, it can't be me. I know it's not me. Please tell me it's not me. He's so fit and hid right among the 12. Undiscernible to everybody but Jesus Christ. You know what got him, right? Suicide. He first committed suicide spiritually. No more walk with God. And secondly, physically, no more life. Did you know that, uh, you probably did. Did you know that Judas repented? The Bible says he did. He took the bag of coins back to the people he sinned with. And he said, King James says, it repenteth me, which means I repent. I'm sorry about this. Take your money back. And they threw the money at him and said, we're done with you. I wonder, when will Christians realize the world's just using you? They don't care about you. They're lying to you. When they're done with you, they're going to spit you out, tell you to get lost, and go find another stupid Christian that they can manipulate. They're not for you. Learn it quick. Judas should have repented to who he sinned against, not who he sinned with. Are you listening to me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great church. I do, Lord. They're awesome. They love you. This congregation loves you. These are some of the best. I would judge them, Lord, as some of the best Christians anywhere. They're well-trained. And the, and the fruit of their labors, the programs here, the outreaches here, the sanctuary, these facilities are impeccable. The church is not broke. They're givers. They're tithers. They love you. I bless them in your name. Bless their home. Bless their marriage. Just then, the Holy Spirit said, there are marriages here in great friction. I speak peace to your marriage covenant. I say you're going to go back to holding one another close. You're going to love on each other. You're going to walk through this thing. In the name of Jesus, may that storm raging against your marriage cease in Jesus' name. I thank you, Master, for our money. This church has such high caliber. Lord, if you would make them rich, Pastor Mike and Vicky would never think again about another dollar. Everything here would be paid for. They could go on to the next level of the vision because your people will bring it. They will tithe it, Lord. They will give it. But I pray you prosper, every one of them that they would have this level of finances in their care that we can really preach the gospel in these last days. And may a team, I know, they—I I know, Lord, this church takes care of their pastor, but may a team rise up that says, Pastor, you text me, I'll meet you at the door. Miss Vicki, office hours or church, tell me where you're at. I'll meet you there. I'll, uh, I'll come to your house. You moving? I'm going to come pack for you. I'm going to come get you ready. I'm going to unpack. Uh, You come to this facility, I'm taking your car down. I'm going to wash it. I'm going to fuel it. I'm going to take care of you because I'm an honorable son or daughter. And I thank you, Lord, not all of us can do that. There's too many of us. We need a team. Talk to somebody, Master, that has such honor and love in their heart for this great pastor and his family and uh, that we would just do the right, beautiful, sweet, honorable thing. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.